continuing our study in the book of 1 John, the epistle, first epistle of John. And so far we have looked at now how John has emphasized that this letter is being written to give us an assurance of our faith, to ensure that we really know him, because there were people, false teachers, heretics, who had crept in and began to teach all sorts of wrong teaching. And then he very specifically tells that they went out from us because they were never really a part of us. And especially in these last days, we need to be careful about what we are listening, even though it may appear as if it is very scriptural. Now, this is why John, when he is in a, uh, writing even this first uh, chapter, he speaks about these three, if we say, if we say, if we say, or if we claim, okay? In other words, he says primarily verify, verify the teachings to find out whether it is genuine or not. So this evening, we're looking at the second uh, in a deception or the second way to check up whether a person is genuinely saved or not. We are looking at verse 8 this uh, evening. It says, if we claim to be without sin, that is what in NIV says, some other translations will say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. Now, we're looking at only that one verse this evening because I believe there's a lot of uh, importance in understanding this particular verse, especially not only in the generation that we live in, but also in the culture that we live in. Here are individuals who say that they have no sin. Now, what do you mean by when they say they have no sin? If you notice in verse 10, he says, you know, if we claim we have not sinned, okay? So, there are two differences over here. One to say we have no sin and another one to say we have not sinned, okay? So, there's this basic difference between the two. Or if you are to put it in another way, it will be there's a difference between the word sin, which is the original, which is the root, and sins which is actually the actions. The sins are stemming from the sin, from the original sin. So what John is writing here is, there were individuals who claimed that they have no sin. What do you mean by that they have no sin? Basically to say that they are essentially good. You know, they don't have the sinful nature. Now, if you notice, you know, in the world that we live in, especially in India, the emphasis is that we are all divine. Okay? And salvation is understanding the divinity in you. Now, that's the basic thought over here that John is saying. If a person claims something like that, he's actually divine, watch out. Because we are not divine people. And this is why oftentimes it is so very difficult to share the gospel with a person who thinks everything is good with him. You know, he's essentially good. You know? And we need to draw out the goodness in an individual rather than tell the person that he or she is a sinner. I think it was Swami Vivekananda who mentioned that Christians have committed the greatest sin by calling man a sinner. Now, that's what the world thinks, you know, that we have called men a sinner. And as a result, you know, sometimes it is difficult in the course of evangelism to convince an individual that he or she is a sinner. 
because unless a person understands this truth you know, that they have sin in them that they have the sinful nature in them that they cannot get out of that then and then only the concept of a savior becomes meaningful it's like if a person has fallen into the well okay and you tell him hey look here i'm going to help you out from here the guy says no everything is fine with me i'm perfectly happy i'm doing well i'm trying to get up become better it's not going to help isn't it so here is the you know the thought that john is addressing there are people just as much as it was in his time even today people who claim you know that they are essentially good also if you notice you know the the whole motivational you know, uh, thinking this you know, during these days is primarily based on that a person who says man is essentially good you can help him you can do it you can do better push yourself up what is that concept primarily coming from to say you are essentially good nothing is wrong with you you know if you have a better self esteem you have a better self understanding you can reach the world you can reach the stars you can do anything that you can dream about because you are essentially good no that's a, not what the bible says the bible does not say that you are essentially good the bible says everyone who is born into this world is born in sin okay now this is from the understanding of individuals who do not really know the lord okay but these gnostics were corrupt and they said that they knew the lord and this is where there's also the other understanding even in the christian world today of what is called as we have reached now that sinless state if hinduism speaks about nirvana okay christian sometimes will speak about we have reached the sinless state god is in us so as a result we are all small gods now we don't become gods you know when the bible says we are sons of god that doesn't mean that we become gods you know the sinful nature is in us god is the one who enables us you know to find victory over that he doesn't change us we don't become gods so if a person claims that he has no sinful nature something is wrong he basically says you know if the first one about walking in darkness you know when he is saying that he is walking in the light john took called out to him and says you are a liar here he is saying you are deceiving yourself it is self deception check it out from the truth of god's word what is right and wrong and jesus himself said isn't it about the pharisees who thought nothing was wrong with them we are good people it is these other guys publicans who are evil people and what did god tell them and what did jesus tell them about about the pharisees says if the light within you is darkness how great is that darkness so for a person to live in self deception is very very bad so that is why you know it's very very grave you know so that is why john is starting off this by saying if we claim if we say that we have no sin also the gnostics if you notice i mentioned their emphasis was the spirit is what is important body is immaterial so whatever you do in your body that doesn't make you know in any difference so the emphasis was my spirit is holy okay and as a result i am thoroughly good john says hey that is not a good idea to believe in you know he says you are deceiving yourselves you are deceiving yourselves 
second session, I gave some quotes from a person called Robert Shula, you know, who is the pastor of you know, Crystal Cathedral. You know, he died a couple of years ago, but he was the one who brought this whole loving yourself, self-help before all these motivational gurus of today came in. And let me share with you some of his thoughts you know, on sin. He says that to define sin as rebellion against God is shallow and insulting to the human being. Remember, this person was a pastor in the church. Okay? He says to define sin as rebellion against God is shallow and insulting to the human being. He redefined sin as a lack of trust, okay, as a lack of trust, which is another way of saying that we are all born with a negative self-image. And he says, by nature, we are fearful, not bad. Original sin is not a mean streak. It is a non-trusting inclination. So he redefines born again. And he says, to be born again means that we must be changed from a negative to a positive self-image, from inferiority to self-esteem, from fear to love, from doubt to trust. Stop for a moment and think of some of these words that he uses. Do we hear these in some of our preachings today? How much of a preaching on sin is present? To call sin as sin, to call man a sinner, and how much teaching is there to speak about, hey, you can become better. This is what God has called you to do. Because, you know, you can move from fear to love, doubt to trust, inferiority to self-esteem. So, John is saying, be careful. If we claim, if we claim that we have no sin, we are essentially good. Stop, you know, that is not the truth. It was Martin Luther who said that in contrast to the denial of sin, the recognition of sin is the beginning of salvation. The recognition of sin is the beginning of salvation. It's only when a person recognizes that he or she is a sinner that he understands his need for a savior. And even in our growth with God, only when we understand that we are sinners, we continue to hold on to God and ask him for his strength. But if in case, somewhere along the line, we think we are pretty good, what do we do then? We say, I don't really need God. I can handle it on my own. A.W. Pink put it across this way, slightly different. He says, it is not the absence of sin, but the grieving over it, which distinguishes the child of God from empty professors. It is not the absence, but the grieving over it. In other words, he says, if you are a true child of God, then you recognize what sin is. Then you recognize that sin is displeasing, you know, going against a holy God. That is what the understanding for a person who is a genuine believer is. So that is the caution that we must always check up. What is our attitude to sin? Is it a one in which we are in self-denial and says, I'm all pretty good now, no problem whatsoever. I don't have any sin in me. I'm now pretty good. Or the more we are coming closer to God, the more we realize how sinful we are and acknowledge his grace in our lives and acknowledge his power to find victory over sin. So when he speaks about here in this phrase, 
if we say we have no sin. He's primarily speaking not the actions of sin, which he speaks in verse 10, but he's primarily speaking about the sinful nature, the sinful nature. It is often interesting to listen to testimonies of individuals. When they share their testimony, they'll say, before I came to know Christ, I used to do this, 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 this. Maybe they say, I was smoking, I was drinking, I was drugs, and whatever, okay? But now I've come to know Christ, I don't do them anymore. What is the impression that is being given? The impression is, I don't do that anymore, but what are you doing now? And oftentimes, the thought in our minds is that sin is only actions. But sin is not just actions. Sin is more than actions. Sin is an attitude, isn't it? So when we come into a closer walk with God, we recognize how sinful we are. We may be patting ourselves on the back and say, I'm not like that guy who does this, this, and the other. But when we come into a closer walk with God, we recognize how sinful we are, even in our thinking, even in our thinking. Now, the tragic thing, about individuals who have this mindset, you know, this belief system to say, if we have no sin, I'm pretty good, is that once people believe themselves to be free from sin, they believe that what they do is not sin. So that is why they will say, I'm pretty good. They may say, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do this, I don't do this, I'm good. Now, that is not it, isn't it, you know? You're deceiving yourselves. You know? If a person says that he has no sin, they are living in self-deception. And as a result, they have a very low view of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of sin. And I believe in our walk with God, the more closer we come to God, the more visibility of sin in our lives and how it displeases God should become more noticeable in our life. Charles Spurgeon once described a woman who claimed to be without sin and past sinning until someone stepped on her toe. And then Charles Spurgeon says, her sinless perfection departed her like the morning dew. It's like in us, we say all is well, but as soon as something happens, it's like a volcano inside, it just bursts outside. You know? So be careful, be careful of individuals who say we have no sin, whether it's in the non-Christian world, that's the first step for them to understand their need for a savior, that they are a sinner. Or in the Christian world, if there's a teaching that comes in and says, hey, we can be totally sinless without sin. You know? The nature has been removed. It is only God's nature. We are all become gods now, so we can do what God is doing. Now, be careful, you know, because understanding is different in the scriptures because he says you're deceiving yourself. Sin, if you notice, you know, in the Greek word is hamartia, which basically means missing the mark missing the mark okay now when you say missing the mark whose mark it is god's mark okay if we have our own marks then we can say i am sinless okay a person may have his own standard of holiness like what the pharisees had if i don't do this this if i do this 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 i'm holy and on the basis of that yardstick they said we are sinless but hamasha missing the mark is the yardstick that god has set the holiness of God, the absolute holiness, no sin in thought, mind, or word, or deed. That absolute holiness is the standard. 
and sin is breaking that mark or missing that mark. And the more we understand the holiness of God, I'm sure none of us in our wildest dreams can say, oh, I'm pretty good. We can definitely look into our lives and acknowledge how far we are in comparison with the holiness of God. So this is why John Bunyan wrote like this and said, sin is the dare of God's justice, the rape of his mercy, the jeer of his patience, and the slight of his power, and the contempt of his love. In other words, to ridicule, you know, it's like I'm God now, and I'm equal to God, and everything is good with me. So to deny that we have a sinful nature means self-deception and untruthfulness. Self-deception and untruthfulness. Now, there is even in NFV, what is the secular world, okay, we looked at what the Hindus are saying, we looked at what some of the Gnostic teaching is saying, we looked at what some of the current individuals are saying. But also, if you look at Freudian psychology, basically it stems from this thought that we are all born neutral and we become sinners by choice. It teaches that I am what I am because what I am doing. I am a sinner because I chose to sin, even as Adam became a sinner through his choice to sin. But the Bible teaches us that I sin because I am a sinner. Now, this truth we must understand very, very clearly. We do not become sinners because you know, you know, we have done this, this, this wrong. Okay? The sinner is in our nature. So we sin because that's our nature. That's our nature. Now, we sin because we are a sinner. My sinning does not make me a sinner. It only proves that I am a sinner. And this is what is called as the depravity of man. Once a person understands his you know, thorough you know, dirtiness inside of him, then he's able to understand the grace of God. But sad to say, even in our preaching, even in our teaching, oftentimes we've only spoken so much about the grace and the love of God. And the emphasis, you can do whatever we want to because after all, God loves you. No, no. We must understand who we are. When we understand our sinful nature and the fact that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have a better understanding, a greater understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So John is basically saying here is a denial of our sin, our sinful nature, is self-deception. Self-deception. It is to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And if a person is thinking like that, if in the previous verse he's called him a liar, now he says the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. The story is told of an individual who was you know, overtaken you know, by a heavy storm of wind and rain. It was pitch dark and he was all wet and he did not know where to go. Suddenly in the distance he found you know, a little inn with a little light burning. So looking at the light, he went to that uh, inn, knocked on the door, the landlord opened the door, 
and with the help of a candle showed him a room which to him looked very neat and clean. He was so tired, he took off all his wet clothes you know, and he fell off asleep. Okay. Now the next day, the morning sun was streaming through the window and it awoke him. And the moment his eyes were opened, he was horrified to see the room in which he had been sleeping. The walls and the floor and even the curtains were filthy. And he was glad to escape from the room as quickly as possible. The night before, he thought that the room was fairly clean. Now he saw its foulness. But the room had not changed during the night. It was only the light that had changed, and the little light was not light enough to reveal all the dirt of the room. But when the sunlight of heaven came streaming in, the revelation was made in a moment. This is why our sense of sin is in proportion to our nearness of God. Let me say that again. Our sense of sin is in proportion to our nearness of God. For example, even in a room, if you are putting a 30-watt bulb, you may think the place is pretty clean. But you increase the wattage. You put halogen lamps. What will you find? You'll find more dirt, isn't it? So as we come closer to God, I believe there should be more recognition of sin. Rather than a casual attitude, our attitude has to be, Lord, you are so holy and I am so sinful. As Peter, when he recognized, he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Paul, speaking about himself, he says, I'm the chief of all sinners. You know, think for a moment. You know, you know, he was so close to God, but his closeness with God enabled him to understand who he really was. Now, John says over here, if we have this type of an attitude, then he says we have deceiving ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves. The tense and the verb, that is a word that is used there for deceiving, primarily means that we are wandering astray. We are wandering astray. Okay? And this is a continual lifestyle. It's a continual lifestyle. Because we are not recognizing what we are doing is wrong. Oswald Chambers put it across this way when he said, Sin enough and you will soon be unconscious of sin. Sin enough, and you will soon be unconscious of sin. I often speak to young people and tell them this. When you first saw you know, a scene on the screen where somebody killed another person and there was blood splattered all over, and maybe somebody told you, hey, that's not actual blood. You know? That's a movie. It's just you know, tomato ketchup. What happens to you? Over a period of time, you get used to that. You get used to that, you know. And you see an actual killing also. It doesn't move you whatsoever. That's what sin is. The more you indulge in it, you know, the more you are unconscious of sin. But if you say you're a believer, then the consciousness of sin should become more and more real in your life. This is why John says, if you say you have no sin, if you have continued in this type of a lifestyle, you are actually deceiving yourself. How can you say that you have no sin? And then he says, you have deceived yourselves and the truth is not in us. 
the truth. Okay, he's not speaking about you know just truth. He's saying the truth. What is the truth that he's speaking about? Walking in the light. That God is light. That we have fellowship with God. That's the truth that he has been speaking about. The truth that you and I have a relationship with God because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. So he says, if a person is living in this self-illusory world, then he is not really knowing the truth. He is not really knowing the truth. He is not conscious of acknowledging who Jesus is. He has taken the death of the on the cross you know, as very, very lightly. So John this evening is giving us this caution. Check it up. Check it up in your life, friends, to find out you know, what is your attitude to sin. What is your attitude to sin? Don't be like the people of the world who say they are essentially good. Don't listen to the false teachers who are saying primarily, hey, you can do it, you have the potential. But acknowledge that we are sinners. We are sinners, saved by grace, yes, but we are sinners. And if it were not for the grace of God, where would we be? So let us live in consciousness of that truth so that as we come closer to the Lord, we would not be individuals who are sin deniers, but we will be individuals who are sin confessors. And that's what we will learn next week in verse 9. A verse that we are very familiar with, but in the context of this, let's understand verse 9 when he says, if we confess our sins. So even this evening, let's spend a few moments looking into our lives and asking ourselves, analyzing our own relationship with God after we have come to know him. What is their attitude to sin? Have we taken it lightly? The more we have come closer to God, is there more consciousness of sin in our lives? Or are we living in a state of just patting ourselves on the back and comparing ourselves with somebody else, maybe who came to know the Lord at the same period, and says, oh, I have gone so much further up. He's still there. Or he has given up his faith, but I'm still going on with God, so I'm pretty good. Let's be careful. Let's be individuals who acknowledge our need for God constantly in our lives. And let us never measure our spirituality based on the yardstick of somebody else. But let us base our spirituality on the basis, on the yardstick of God's holy word. That is the truth. That is the truth that John is speaking about. He says, don't deceive yourself. Because you are just taking off the truth. You are not believing in the truth anymore. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.